BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, uh, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett, who I can now see on my screen. A bit of an update for you. Uh, You can still subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc, etc. But now you can watch us too, and we're going twice a week. Uh, It looks like Tuesdays and Fridays, Rob. I think we're both happy with that. Um, So you can now head over to our brand new YouTube channel. Um, hit the like button, subscribe, and join the community. The link should be in the description of this episode. Um, and yeah, twice a week, Rob. Talking more about Man United and their failures. How exciting. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. And it's actually quite nice to have football back now, isn't it? After the, the winter break from the Premier League. We've obviously had cup action already. And that's that for Manchester United. Um but I think also for our show, going twice a week is really exciting. We can talk about more stuff and have more exclusive United content. And of course, with the YouTube channel starting as well, just means we'll be doing lots of different stuff over the week for, for Man United fans going, going ahead. Should be great. Uh, just another reminder, you can follow us on Twitter too. Um, I'm at underscore Scott Saunders. Rob is at underscore Rob underscore B. Lots of underscores. And there's at Promised Land MU for the show itself. Um, you should be able to find us pretty much everywhere. YouTube, Facebook, all of this kind of business. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, on today's show, we will reflect on the cup exit to Middlesbrough. And, you know, obviously that caused United's uh, fandom to absolutely melt down because it is Middlesbrough. It's a championship club, et cetera, et cetera. Penalties. As soon as they went to penalties, Rob, I knew that United were losing that game. Um, but... I actually, it was such a weird feeling because I actually felt like United played quite well for the for the duration of it. We'll talk about that a little bit, um, but we'll also reflect on the fact that it might mean that United go another season without a trophy. Um, we'll talk about Ralph Ranick and his comments, his relationship with players like Jesse Lingard. There's been a bit of a fallout in the last few days, but um, we'll reflect on that as well. Um, and we'll also do a nice little look at the revelation this week from Football Observatory that United have been uh, mathematically proven as the highest net spenders uh, 
in Europe or in the world, in world football, actually, over the last 10 years. Now, that's probably because they can't really sell players that well. We all know about how much United have spent, um, but we'll be digging into that a little bit, revealing what we think, um, and then reflect on the future, really, because obviously that can't really continue, Rob. Uh, it does seem like there's been a few changes at the highest level. There'll be a managerial change in the summer as well, probably. Um, we'll just see if there's a direction change. But let's revert back, Rob, to the Middlesbrough game. Now, such a weird one, really, because I didn't... I, you you always want to give credit to the to the underdog, you know, but I didn't really think Middlesbrough played all that well. They stayed in the game, but United should have scored six goals. Like, they, they should have scored four to six goals and been out of sight, but they just obviously missed a penalty. They missed... They hit the bar, they hit the post. Bruno Fernandes missed an open goal when he hit the post in the second half after Middlesbrough equalised. Their goal was handball. Um, I don't want to be too... Uh, you know, <laughs> what's what's the right word? I don't I don't want to come across as uh, a bit of a victim here, but you know, United sh- United did do enough to win the game. Uh, the player ratings uh, are pop- have popped up on the screen now. Rob, uh, we'll talk about this game. What did you make of it overall? I thought Man United played really well. So I think we've talked over the previous weeks and months about how stagnant United have been how there's no connections on the pitch, how there's a lack of chemistry. I think all of that was present. But as you said there, United had lots of chances to score goals and to put the game to bed. And against a championship team, that's what you have to do. The longer the match goes, of course, with a lower league team, you're going to get that possibility of penalties. And then what happens? You get knocked out. So I think Manchester United have lost six of the last seven penalty shootouts. It felt all very Villarreal again, didn't it? You know, like you kind of the game just petering out, nothing happening in uh, extra time. And I don't really think that Ralph could have done a lot more from the touchline. I think it was a strong team. Tactics were good. And United took Middlesbrough to task for most of the game. And as you said, I agree with you. I don't think Middlesbrough played that well at all. They just packed the midfield and got away with it, really. But that's what they're there for. That's what they want to do. But overall, I know there was a meltdown after the game. You get knocked out the FA Cup. This year, I think you've got to look at different reasons about why the FA Cup is important. And of course, United fans want to win a trophy. That's the same every season with every competition. But when you look at this one, the FA Cup is not particularly important to Man United this year. This is a little bit of a rebuilding project now towards next year. And how do you keep things afloat and how do you keep winning? But I think the performance was really good. I think that, you know, we've seen so many bad displays this year from Manchester United. It's just that finishing. And this is why my catchphrase has to pop back up, Scott, of that <laughs> you don't need Ronaldo in a team like this. It's not about Ronaldo because Ronaldo might have scored 800 goals, but it's about how you finish as a team. And you could see that. They had lots of opportunities. It wasn't just Cristiano on the day. It was the whole team. And United need to put the ball in the back of the net. And if they do that, you know, they're already fourth in the league. So that's going to be the objective this year now, to to stay in that top four. They just need to finish some chances. Yeah, I think United had a lot of players the other night who played quite well. Jaden Sancho looked fatigued towards the end, but I think he showed some really good signs. Uh, obviously, he's coming back uh, after a family bereavement recently, so hoping uh, he's feeling okay and that kind of stuff. His performance was quite good. Scott McTominay was uh, rated as an 8.5 in our in our ratings on the screen here from who scored, I believe. Harry Maguire had a good game. Raphael Varane had a good game. Um, Ralph was actually asked about Rafa Varane in his pre-match press conference for the Burnley game and said, Ralph, uh, Rafa has arrived. That was uh, the way he put it. It does seem like 
he obviously adds something different to the United defence. He makes them look a bit better, but they're obviously giving up a few chances. But what do you make of uh, Rafa Varane? Are you hoping he'll just be a fixture there now for the rest of the season? Yeah, look, there's no doubt about Rafa Varane's uh, quality. And we've said this all season long. It's just a case, I think, of settling into life in England. It is a different league. It's very different to playing in La Liga and playing for Real Madrid. Uh, but I think the player we need to highlight out of all of this is Paul Pogba. So Paul Pogba, in terms of where his status at the football club, the ongoing debacle around whether he stays or goes and all of that that happens every season with him, forget it. It's about how do you improve that midfield? And this is Paul Pogba, maybe on 70%. You know, he's still not match fit. Just coming back into the setup, coming back into the squad off, a, off another injury. I thought he did really well in the middle of the park. And I think it just gives United some more balance. And this is why I come out of this game, even after a defeat and a cup exit, of feeling buoyant and good about United. Because if Paul Pogba plays more games, Manchester United have a much better chance of winning them. So, yes... You're out the cup. You're not going to go to Wembley in that competition and you won't get your day out. But it might mean that Manchester United are better in the Premier League now. And it also might mean that they're fresher in an attempt to win the Champions League. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to consider that possible. And I'm saying that seriously. <laughs> I'm saying that seriously because the Champions League, if Chelsea can win the Champions League last season with the way that they were, because there was no chance that they were going to win the Champions League in this time last year, that wasn't going to happen and they had the worst defence possible going. Tuchel fixed that, just those elements and what happened? They go and become champions of Europe and it was a sly one. Like, you know, no one would have said that just at the back end of Christmas, January, February, that Chelsea would get anywhere near that. Manchester United have got the talent. they just got to put it together on a football pitch. Yeah, it's a bizarre one, isn't it? Like, I mean, usually if you go out of the FA Cup to a lower league team on penalties at home, it, it's all doom and gloom. And a lot of the fan base has been feeling that way. But I, I, it was such a weird feeling. I came out of the game. I was like, how in the world did we lose that? <laughs> it, it was it was crazy. There was, it created so many chances. Things looked to be working quite well. There's a lot of positives to take. It's just you didn't get the win. And ultimately, you are the butt of all the jokes because you've been eliminated to a championship team. Yeah, absolutely. But when your project's in transition, and we know that's where Man United are at the moment, you know, we have, th this manager, is he going to stay? Is he going to go? We We feel that he's probably going to go. It's difficult, I think, for players to completely buy in, but I think they've bought in. I think I look at what they're doing now, the fact that they're actually running around a football pitch and not jogging, that might not look like a big sign to football fans, but to me, that shows that whatever they're doing on the training pitch is translating onto football matches. So, yes, you've got to win this game. It's Middlesbrough. It's a championship team, a good championship team, albeit. But this main night team, I think, is learning to be itself again. And I think that I think they had something like 22 shots in the box. And that's what I look for. That stat for me is how often did Man United get in the box? You look at the Mourinho years, sometimes they weren't getting into the box, you know, maybe two, three, four times in a game, and you come out of it and you think, hmm, they're not yeah. serious about winning. But 22 shots in the box, I'm like, yeah, that's the way forward. And if you do that, against future opponents, you're going to get lucky eventually. You're going to have a big hammering somewhere, four, five, six nil. And then everyone will be like, oh, Man United are back. But that probably won't be true either. <laughs> um, I did have, I had one additional question for you and something I point, I would like to point out about why I'm feeling a bit more confident about United as well. You, you talked about having shots, uh, getting in the box and that kind of stuff. The transition from defence to attack in eight seconds or whatever, I noticed that more than once in that game. 
Uh, it seems like they're actually driving to, you know, make that happen. Ralph's talked about that openly before he got the job and since. Um, but a question for you, Rob, like it does seem, or it seems to me like United are kind of falling off in energy because they are playing that way after about 75 minutes. Do you think that's the case? I think it's partly there. Like we talk a lot about fitness for, of players and what it means to be fit, you know, in terms of match fitness, being able to carry out tactics. It does take some weeks and months to get that kind of resilience into your bones. Yeah. So when you're training hard every day, that you can do it for 90 minutes. Now, I've certainly seen, I think, the last few weeks that United have gone longer in football matches. So they're not getting to minute 75 and completely collapsing, but they're getting closer to 90 minutes. So I think that's a real positive sign. That's also why I feel good about it. I also look at who's to come back into the team. We've talked about Paul Pogba, but I think also Hannibal has got a big future at Man United and we could see something from him now. So even though players have left the football club, I still think United have got more to come. So I feel good about those things. So there's lots of good indicators that tell you that things should get better. It doesn't mean it will, but I think Ralph is getting his ideas across and these players are saying, yes, we can do it now. And also just tiny, small amount of form here for Bruno Fernandes. Just something a little bit more of him joining the dots in the centre of the pitch, looking more dangerous, getting into the box more. Because I think that's something we've criticised over the season is that Bruno has been this peripheral figure behind his countrymen, behind Ronaldo, and he stopped scoring goals, didn't he, and stopped getting assists. And that's his game. I think when he's getting those goals and assists and getting shots off, he's a much better player. Um, talk about the positives. Just reflect on the negatives um, slightly. No trophy by the looks of it. I, I, Rob, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to say United are going to go and win the, win the Champions League. They're not going to win the league. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be another year without a trophy. Is it in the... Just because it's United who are expected to win trophies every season, I don't think it's... I think it's being played up to be more than it actually is. And I think Ralph is talking about the performances and getting better performances, meaning that they will be on a better path to winning things. Uh, and he's spoken about that ahead of the game with Burnley as well. We're recording before that. Um, but no trophy again. Um, how, is, how long is this going to go, Rob? <laughs> well, look. Trophies do pay the bills. You know, this is what football fans want. They want to have those moments of winning silverware. But I always say it's about winning the correct silverware. So for Manchester United, there's only really two trophies that that's a club they really want and that fans really want to see. You know, I've been lucky enough to see 13 Premier League titles, as you as of you. Um, been lucky enough to see United win the European Cup multiple times and being uh, European finals. That's what Man United want. And not winning an FA Cup one season is okay. You know, Leicester won it last year. It was a big deal for Leicester. This year, Leicester go to a derby match against Nottingham Forest, get thrashed, and they're out the cup. That's what happens in the FA Cup. I think that's why football fans appreciate it as a competition. But I think for Manchester United, in terms of strategy, you know, they need to do better in the league, which they are, and the Champions League is there to win. So I like I know you're saying there, you're not going to say they're going to win it, and I'm not going to say they're going to win it either. But I think if you get past an Atletico Madrid, who are a good team, who are having their own kind of problems themselves at the moment, you find a route into the latter stages. If you get to the final four of the Champions League, it's all to play for. So I don't think that the players at Man United will be licking their wounds and, you know, at Carrington and thinking, the season's over, you know, what do we do now? I think there's still plenty to play for. As I said, use the, the Chelsea analogy for last year. You know, last year, this time last year, people were talking about Werner and Havertz as being big busts 
players that couldn't win anything, they end the season as Champions League winners. So there's players at Man United, including Cristiano, who still wants to win, and Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, you know, Harry Maguire, who's had a tough season. These players still want to win, and they've got the opportunity to do that. Harry Maguire lifting the Champions League trophy in May or June. Wouldn't that be a sight? Go uh, on, t- Harry. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's talk about um, Ralph himself. Now, and Jesse Lingard in particular. Now, he's back in the squad for the Burnley game. Um, as I mentioned, we're recording this prior to it. So if you listen to it, listening to it uh, after the game, then obviously he might have played, he might have scored, he might have contributed. You know, might have lost the game. We'll see. But, you know... Ralph, it was, it was. It's been such a weird situation with Lingard. Ralph has openly admitted that he would have let Lingard go, but the the situation involving Mason Greenwood has meant that uh, Lingard had to stay. Um, and then suggestions being that uh, somebody upstairs has told Lingard to take a few days off, and that meant that Lingard wasn't in the squad for the Borough game. Uh, Ralph has kind of taken it upon himself to suggest that li- this was Lingard's decision. Uh, Lingard's come out on social media and said that's not the case. Bit of a mess, um, but he's back in the squad now. Um, hopefully everything's fine. But is this? There's been suggestions of the players revolting against Ralph. Oh, I'm sick of this, man. <laughs> I'm sick of it. What, what, what do you make of it all? There's no, there's no players revolting against Ralph. It's not true. It's not a thing. Yeah. I, I just think that when you look at the balance of what's happening at Manchester United and how Ralph Ranick manages players, say compared to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, that there's a little bit of a disconnect. And I think that's normal. Again, we're in transition here. With the Jesse Lingard situation, it's not particularly complicated. So let's look at it like this. Jesse Lingard, eight weeks ago, told Manchester United that he wanted to stay. That's what he said. I'm going to stay to the end of the season. Then two weeks before the transfer window closed, he said, I want to go. He didn't get his move for obvious reasons. We know why that is. He's now at the football club. He's eligible to play. I'm sure he'll want to play. But Jesse Lingard himself has had very highly publicised mental health issues over time. And the club and himself have been able to talk together and find ways of strategies to look after him. So that was something that was decided by the football club and him. He doesn't need to jump out on social media and contra, you know, contravene the manager, what the manager is saying. Because I think the manager is saying it for good reason. So Not I the think first player to do that either. Uh, exactly. Marcel. And I think this this is the problem, I think, with the, with the what you know, I call the fringe. I've said this before, the fringe players who want to play but might not but might not be in the current plans, but know that that they're still there, you know, they don't really want to be part of it. I think Jesse Lingard is one of those guys. You know, he would have liked to have gone to Newcastle on the final day of the season or gone back to West Ham. So that fell apart for him. And United had a discussion with him and it was said that he needed those a few days off. So that's off the reaction of the player. If the player goes to Ralph Raniak, bangs on his door and says, no, boss, I'm ready. Ralph Raniak's going to play him. That's exactly what yeah. Ralph said after it. Ralph was like, I would have liked Jesse Lingard in my squad. So what am I being accused of here? So I think this is where some of the communication breaks down because social media for these guys, very easy for all of us, isn't it? To jump on your phone and do a post and press send. Yeah, I'm sure Jesse is ready, but was Jesse ready that day? Probably not. You know, he wanted to leave the football club. He's probably going to be a bit upset about that. And he's had those discussions with United at board level. So storming a teacup, Jesse Lingard needs to get get his head down, be available and play. I don't blame Ralph at all. I think Ralph doesn't molly coddle these boys in the same that Ole did. Ole would have been, you know, big cuddles, arm round shoulder and, you know, it's all right, it's all right. 
No, we're in a results business. You know, get yourself ready for the next game. We don't talk about it. We carry on. Uh, you mentioned uh, we all have time to post on social media. Ralph apparently doesn't. He said in his uh, press conference ahead of Burnley, uh, he suggested he's not on any of these platforms or whatever. He does not have the spare time to uh, go and put a tweet out or something like that. And fair play to him. Uh, yeah. Social media is a bit um, can get a bit annoying. Uh, you manage but- a football club, you can't go anywhere near that stuff. I've said this before. If I ran Man United, I probably would be saying to them all, none of you can have social media accounts. But of course, that's part of the wider strategy of the football club, isn't it? To have social media presence. So I agree with Ralph. I don't, I don't want to see Ralph tweeting his thoughts about, <laughs> about about tactics or his breakfast. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I've just had an argument with Jesse Lingard, blah, blah, blah. blah. I don't want to see any of that. And I, Here's I don't my think... picture of eggs on toast that I yeah, have. Yeah, here's, here's my Instagram. I'm getting out of bed and jumping into my Mercedes. I don't, it's like, no, I'm not really too bothered about that. I'd rather see Man United winning football football matches. I do think Jesse Lingard has got a part to play in the rest of this season. You know, I think he's a good player. And I think when you still look at this 4-2-2-2, that's now turning into a 4-3-3 in real time, Jesse Lingard can be part of that. Absolutely. I think he was probably needed the other night as well. But, you know, storming a teacup, it's gone. Uh, Fingers crossed, you know, I can move forward now with Lingard in the team. But keeping on Jesse Lingard, he is one of four players out of contract. Uh, Four players that I can think of. Juan Mata, Cavani, Paul Pogba and Jesse Lingard out of contract at the end of the season. There might be a couple of other fringe players as well, but I can't really recall. And these are the main ones. Um, You know, it does seem like United are embarking on a bit of a change. um, And that kind of does tie into something I did want to talk about today. Um, United have been revealed this week as the highest net spenders um, in Europe's top five leagues in the world over the last decade. Now, we're looking at, I just need to grab the figures here, uh, looking at it from the Football Observatory and trying to, there we go. Uh, we've got Euros on the screen if you are watching, um, but just to call out the actual numbers if you're listening, uh, United are top of the net spend table with a £903 million net spend uh, or a £1.075 billion net spend in Euros. Um 1.3 billion pounds spent uh, and only just sub of 400 million pounds earned. Now, we've all known over the years, Rob, that United haven't been run in the best way. Uh, we talked about the social media accounts and all this kind of stuff and how important it is. United have bought a lot of players with big profiles to come into the club and it's causing all this drama. They haven't won a trophy for five years, or unless they win the Champions League this season. <laughs> um, haven't won a trophy for five years. And it's it's pretty damning, to be honest, isn't it? This These are like the last 10 years. And obviously United have fallen off a cliff in that time from where they once were. So question for you, Rob, like, what do you make of this? Does, is this just confirmation that of everything that United, everything that fans have been saying, everything that critics have been saying over the last few years. Um, what do you make of the numbers? Because it's pretty damning to actually look at it on a sheet of paper. Well, it confirms a couple of things. So, you know, there's a yin and a yang at play here. So when we hear that Manchester United don't buy players or the Glazers do not spend money on players, that's not true. You know, and this is when, you know, I speak a lot about the Glazers in my job and about how they run the football club. And I think they've done a really, really bad job of running Manchester United since they took it over. So, 
that's that's one side of the coin. Fans can't really say they haven't spent the money. What we can say is that their recruitment has been a disaster. So it's been a disaster since Fergie left the football club. The 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 strategy of Ed Woodward wanting to buy Galacticos. You know, he's used that term a lot himself, wanting to create a Galactico culture at Manchester United. And that culture has basically brought zero trophies or close to zero. Obviously, a little bit of success under Van Gaal and under Mourinho. Just to point out on the Galactico tactic, by the way, Real Madrid uh, were the, the originators of that. If you remember, I think they only... They didn't win too many league titles. They didn't. They weren't <laughs> laced in trophies over the years. Like when they had the Ronaldo's, the Figo's, the Zidane's, the Beckham's, all those kind of players. They they didn't. It wasn't a proven way of winning. Uh, so it just makes you wonder, really, why you've yeah. gone down that path. I, I think it, what it was is Ed Woodward fancied himself as a Florentino Perez of England. That's what he he wanted to create. He wanted to be this. I think over overriding figure at the football club who you know wined and dined players and said come and play for me I'm the boss of Manchester United so I think some of that egotism has been part of Man United's undoing and certainly Ed Woodward's undoing and I think when you look at the signings you know on paper you know Angel Di Maria none of us kind of moaned about it you know when we looked at these players that came to the football club none of us were saying these are bad players what was poor was the, the football strategy from the board about how it all fits together. So anyone can go out and spend money. I think United's overall spend is well over 1.2 billion in the Woodward years. So, you know, net spend, as you said, is 900 million. United don't tend to sell players for, for big fees anyway, even though that's part of the strategy. The Glazers always want to have sell-on value for certain players. But the issue came at board level with Woodward. And I think Woodward's directions completely failed. And you see that in United's performances year to year to year. When you're sacking managers every couple of years because you don't like the direction anymore, you don't like the football, you don't like the results, eventually it has to come back to the board. And they're the guys that spend this money. Uh, Just all our fans, and they know this, United fans, if you look at the board in recent years up until this season, the kind of 15 members on the board, not one of them, has kicked a football or know how to kick a football. So how are you supposed to hire footballers to win football matches? And they're the people that make that decision. So now United are moving towards a structure of having a director of football and sporting director. That's now more of a thing. Ralph Ranjik is supposed to be at the football club in a consultancy banner for two years. That's supposed to now improve things. Will it? I don't know. That's now up to Richard Arnold. Can Richard Arnold create a culture at Manchester United of winning again? And I think that's still very much up for debate. So actually was going to be my next question. I wanted to get your feelings on it because, you know, Richard Arnold is close with Woodward. Uh, They've been friends for a long time. Uh, There isn't really a lot of optimism in the United fan base that we are going to see a change in direction. But when things like this are kind of put down on paper and you see United's league position and the way they're performing, surely they've got to look at this and think, we've got to change something. And we'll we'll talk about managers in a little bit because uh I think that will probably well that will definitely be addressed in the summer whether Ralph stays or someone else someone else comes in. But do you have any kind of confidence in the existing or the newly put in setup? I think the word confidence would be the wrong word. Um am I optimistic a little bit? I think Richard Arnold Richard Arnold is no more qualified to do his job than Edward Wood was. They're both chartered accountants. They both went to the same university. 
they're both friends from their childhood days, going back from when they were when the teenagers. People could say, you know, jobs for the boys. But Richard Arnold is an astute guy. He's been part of Manchester United for a long time. He understands the culture of the football club. And he has said that he will give football decisions away to football people. Now, I think that's a start. But what we do know is that Richard Arnold has kind of pulled rank and said that he wants to appoint the next manager. So I'm not happy about that, you know, because I want a football person making that appointment for a football manager. Uh, are you just going to go for a Pochettino because he fits the profile? Are you going to look for a younger manager like Ten Hag? Do you stick with someone like Ralph Rannick who's already got his foot in the door? And I think he's doing good things at Manchester United. I really do. And I still back Ralph, you know, really 100%. But who should make that decision? You know, should that be Murto or Fletcher? Or should it be Arnold? I'm not quite sure any of them are particularly the right people to make it. I would rather, though, it was the football side of Manchester United rather than the business arm. We'll see how that goes. I mean, you mentioned there three candidates, uh, Ralph himself, uh, and you've thrown your weight behind him uh, in the last few weeks. You know, I would not myself uh, be against that. I think he's done a lot of good things so far, even if the results haven't really come with them. But it does seem like United are traveling in a direction of understanding how to play, um, understanding, you know, their identity and that kind of stuff. It'd just be a little bit weird to see it ripped up in a sense and just move to uh, just something completely different if they do change a manager. And that's the board's plan at the moment, isn't it? To rip it up. So you spend all these weeks and months getting it right and training players. How are you supposed to tell your playing staff? Yeah, you've got to commit to this now. But do you know what, guys? In four months, it's over. It's just a terrible way of running a business. Can you imagine doing that with your staff, Scott? You know, and my staff, like, imagine saying to them, yeah, we're going to do it like this, but do you know what? In two or three months' time, you won't be doing it like this. How are you supposed to foister, you know, leadership and tactical nous in all of that? I'm not quite sure. And I think that's what Ralph is fighting against. But this is why I said give Ralph Ranick a longer contract because I think he's good enough to do the job. It's just whether you feel that you need to go and get a potch you know, because that's what will shut the fans up, you know, for two years. You can say, oh, we've got Pochettino. We, you know, we're giving him the keys. But you did that with Mourinho. You did that with Van Gaal. You've done that with, with managers before of saying, we've got the best in class of what we can get today. Uh, I think you need to be a bit more smarter than that. I think you need to rebuild from within. And that's what I'd like to see, a, a manager and a coach that's done that before. Ralph Rannick has got that experience. Do you think, you mentioned the Pochettino line about sh shutting the fans up in a sense. From what I've seen, I don't think there's a unanimous candidate. Have you heard anything different? Um, there there no. isn't. No, there, there isn't a unanimous candidate. And I think this is where there maybe is a little bit of smoke and mirrors because obviously the fan base, I think, is heavily invested in Pochettino and Ten Hag. You know, they're the names that have been there from day one. A name that I banded around, obviously, with stuff that we've heard through our, our contacts, obviously, Diego Simeone about to encounter him at Atletico Madrid. Is he ready to leave La Liga and move to England? There's this possibility that that is on the cards. And I think United would like a strategist like him, again, someone that's built a football club over a long period of time. But no, there's no kind of, there's no one that you look at and you go, that guy's perfect. That's the one you go and get and it's fixed. There's no Guardiola on the market. There's no Klopp on the market. So you have to try and do something different. And I think this is why I'm, really high on the Ranić side of this because I want someone who is a tactician who understands the makeup of a football club a little bit more, understands that Manchester United is more than just a football team. You know, this is more than just a business. This is a culture. This is a team that needs leadership of the highest order 
for this football team. And I think at 60 years old, he's a good age for it. I think he's experienced. And it's a good opportunity for him, isn't it? You know, I think he wants to prove himself at a big club. So I've seen enough also on a football pitch the last few weeks, Scott, to say that I want to see more. It's not like we've seen a few games of Ranić and gone, oh my God, this is awful. This guy hasn't got a clue and it's falling apart. Of course, results haven't been perfect, but they've not also not been particularly poor. You know, he's had the bad loss against Middlesbrough, but before that, was it just one loss in 10? Yeah. So it, it, the, the record is okay. It's steadfast. It's just that can Ralph be the guy that takes you to the next level? I think the other side of it, Scott, is that the fan base overall probably don't want Ralph Raniuk. Yeah. You know, they also want to be massaged in this process and Pochettino would be the end game for them. They'd be like, oh, we've got a guy who's just been at PSG, knows the Premier League, ticks boxes. Is he the right guy? There's no necessity. He could come in and this time next year, we could be talking about how Pochettino has absolutely no idea how to fix this Man United project. And that would be a poor place to be. Do you know what the... I was going to ask you about Pochettino um, because... He went into Southampton uh, several years ago and went to Tottenham shortly afterwards to rid of the bad eggs. Now, that's always been one of the plus points or one of the ticks that I put against Pochettino because he's actually done it before, albeit with a smaller club in Tottenham. You know, Uh, not as much expectation on them, but Tottenham were in an absolute mess when he took over. Uh, They brought him in and... He It took him a little while, but he did manage to get rid of the players that he did not think were up to it or were having a bad effect. Um, and then took on a new-ish generation of players and, you know, took them to heights that I think most Tottenham fans could never have expected they'd have reached. Uh, now, ha- the, my only question for you here is because he's been out of work and then he's gone to PSG. He is, what, 11 points clear, or that was the last time I checked, 11 points clear in France. But is his stock falling, even though, you know, he is in that job, like a a top job? He should end up winning the league if he makes the rest of the season, uh, which it does seem like that will happen. Um, But there has been suggestions from what we've heard over the last few days that there will be some kind of agreement in the summer for Poch to leave PSG. And it does seem like, United have been looking for him for five years, you know, for or for longer than that. So it does seem like it would be the right fit. But what what do you make of Poch overall now? Because he has some real uh, qualities, but has he changed at all during this PSG spell? No, I wouldn't say changed. And I, I think for him, you know, you, you mentioned his history there in, in England. The, the thing I like about Pochettino, I've always liked about Pochettino, is that he just takes it one brick at a time to build the wall. So. I liked his work at Southampton. I think it was a good body of work with a a really good academy. And he found ways. Obviously, he brought Luke Shaw through at that time there at the football club. And I think when he went to Tottenham, that was a big test of a club that wants trophies, wants to be successful. Didn't really quite get there in the end. But just before he got sacked, he did take them to a Champions League final. Let's let's be honest, that's dreamland for, for Tottenham Hotspur. So he did do the job. And it's all about whether he could come to Man United and replicate that. Now, that's the issue. When you, when you look at someone like Louis van Gaal when he was at the football club, Louis used to talk a lot about the extracurricular activity of a manager at Manchester United and how problematic it was. You cannot stand on a training pitch and train your players all day. Why? Because you've got to talk to the foreign press. You've got to talk to the English press. You've got to go and talk to commercial partners. You've got to go and do all of these things. Now, is Pochettino the right guy to do 
all of that. So I think you need someone who's got maybe some more experience and can delegate. So I think that that Pochettino would bring his own team to Man United and he's a very good coach. I think he could find a way. He knows the Premier League really well. Does that make him perfect for this job today? I don't think so. I don't think that's 100% there. I think what he's done at at PSG is always going to be questioned because it's a different kind of football club. Um, It's a club that wants to win today, every day. That's what they do. That's how they operate. And they sack people and get rid of people. And that's what it is. That's the ecosystem of that football team. At May United, we're looking for someone, aren't we, for someone, a longer project, someone who could take the club forward for four, five, six years and beyond. And Pochettino at least has that profile fit. I don't think he's changed at all, Scott, but I I still think it's a risk. There's a risk there. You know, he left Tottenham because Tottenham weren't doing very well at that point. So, you know, United have been looking at him for a long time. There's no doubt Ed Woodward loves Pochettino. Obviously, he's Edward Woodward's not in that process anymore. But I said still very, very close to the United board and to Richard Arnold. And and I think Pochettino is is emerging as the favourite just for those reasons, because United have had this continuing conversation with him. What we hear as well from France is that PSG not particularly happy that when Man United came knocking the first time for Pochettino a few months ago, that Pochettino kind of was interested. And PSG are like, hmm, we're going to make an example of you. So they probably will sack him. And that means that he will be available for Manchester United. Does that mean that United should take him? I'm not sure. The United fan base will definitely say yes. But I think you've already got a guy that can do the job. Just give him the tools to do it, you know, for a bit. And forget about missing buses, Scott. It happens in football all the time. I hear this all the time about, this is your chance to get this manager and it's going to change everything. It doesn't really work like that. I know. that was. I was going to come to that in a second because, uh, you know, it wouldn't it just look if United did stick with Ralph or something like that for the next six months into next season. It wasn't going so well. You passed up on Pochettino, the one that you've always wanted. What are you doing? This is an obviously awfully run club. You know, and, and United gonna... needs United need their Arsene Wenger. That's what, you know, I've said this recently as well. They need someone who's going to come in and kind of chop all this up into small digestible pieces and do it on the football side and work with it. And I think that's the kind of coach that Ranić is. Is Pochettino going to come to Man United and go, oh, bright lights, you know, I've just done this at PSG, you know, being in the in the glare and I'm not going to get time to build a club and not going to have the influence on the transfers incoming? I, I worry about that because I think that's the manager Pochettino is. He's not really a strategist in terms of purchasing. Whereas I think Ranić has got that little black book. I think he's the guy who's got the contacts around Europe already as being a director of football. He could bring that to Man United. We don't need stars at Manchester United. We need players that are going to do the job. We need to move away from that Galactico model. And we need to move something towards a model more like Manchester City of buying players that can fill your squad out, but can win your football matches every week. There is a bit of a split. We'll um, we'll obviously see how this goes in the next few weeks and months, but as it stands, Ralph has a job to do to get United into the top four. Um, I have spoken to a, f- a good few uh, PSG fans about Pochettino and their feelings towards him. They don't really understand the, you know, for those who don't really watch the Premier League that well, they don't really understand why he's come in with such a big reputation because all they see on the pitch is no discernible style, which is kind of weird because Pochettino did manage to cultivate that identity at Tottenham. But I suppose when you've got Messi, Neymar, Kylian Mbappe it's going to be difficult Messi runs the team so it's really hard I think like again at Man United I said this at the start of the season if Ronaldo runs the team for Man United 
you're probably not going to play as well as you could do as your ceiling. And I think that happened at Dorale. You know, I think the focus was too much on Cristiano. What happened? The manager gets sacked. I think Pochettino's in that world with PSG as well. It's all about Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. It's about the superstars, the Galacticos at the football team and not about building a football club. You know, so uh, this is what I worry about, that if he comes to Man United, is it's just going to be, well, you've got these players, go and win. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if that fits Pochettino. I think Pochettino needs to go from grassroots all the way to the very, very top. And he needs that control. Yes, indeed. We will see. Um, I'm not decided myself personally yet. I think what both me and Rob, we haven't really talked about Ten Hag today. Uh, there is suggestion that he might end up leaving Ajax at the end of this season, given what's happened there this week. Um, but neither Rob or I in previous episodes have really been too convinced by uh, Eric Ten Hag because coming from the Dutch league, you know, we've seen managers do it before. We've seen players do it before, even with somebody like, Donny van der Beek in, you know, it's, 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 it's a big jump given it's a player, but at the same time, it's a different kettle of fish, right? It's a completely different kettle of fish. And we've said this about stylism and philosophy and culture. You know, Ajax have got that culture of 50, 60 years in the bank and they, they, they leech off that. And that's how they create players in their system. And that's how they get coaches to come forward. Man United haven't really got that at the moment. And you need someone, I think that, that, has a root and branch approach to management. And this is why I still will keep banging the Ralph drum until it's over, until that 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 beat has finished and you have to move on. But I don't think that, that Ten Hag is particularly qualified to do the Man United job. And that's not saying that he's not a good coach. It just means that he probably would need a step somewhere in the middle. You know, I'd, I'd see him going to La Liga or somewhere like that. A severe jump, you know, that kind of football club where the expectations are there but you need to do the work at ground level. At Man United, yes, the work needs to be done at ground level, but it's such a strange beast of a football club, isn't it? You've got to be able to do other stuff. Uh, and, and you know, I like Ralph. You know, I'm going to keep saying it until every week because until we see it fail on the football pitch, then I think it's the right strategy to go about today. But I just don't think it's the strategy Man United will take because they will be looking for this kind of blue ribbon signing of a manager to be able to parade him and say this is it here we go we're coming after City again we're going after Liverpool well if you haven't got a Klopp and you haven't got a Guardiola you've got to find something different not just follow that model absolutely um I'm gonna wrap up there Rob any passing comments uh ahead of next our next show which will be on Friday um two shows a week um I'll, I'll wrap up in a second but uh Rob any any passing comments no focus back on the Premier League now for Manchester United and I think as well that you know, three points for a win. That's what it's about every week now. It's about finding performances to be able to get you closer to victories because that's what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got away from, you know, from getting quite good at that a year ago of not playing well at times but winning matches. That's a really good habit to have. I think with Ralph Ranić, we've seen a couple of stinging defeats and obviously the cup exit is not is a bad one, but we're definitely, definitely seeing better things on a football pitch. Can Paul Pogba be trusted to be the guy that knits it together in the middle, frees up Bruno Fernandes and gets Ronaldo scoring. Well, I think with Paul Pogba, you know, he, he nearly got an assist in that game, didn't he? Because he got fouled in the box. That would have meant eight assists for the season. He's hardly kicked a ball. He can be the guy that gets Man United closer to that top four and then at least a successful finish to the season. We'll see how it goes. United play Burnley on Tuesday night before a home match with Southampton. I think Brighton come up after that. So there's a... 
It's a packed February of about seven games, if I remember rightly. We'll see how United go. Um, and then back in going into March, that's when crunch time really happens. I think they've got Man City away, Liverpool away in the space of a few weeks and a few big games. Atletico Madrid on the horizon as well at the end of this month. Remember, uh, you can still subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc., etc. But hopefully you've been watching us on YouTube today. Uh, you can definitely watch us now twice a week. So head over to the brand new YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community. The link is in the description of this episode. Um, as I mentioned, twice a week, Tuesdays, Fridays, unless we maybe change our mind a little bit or something, something changes, but make sure you follow us on Twitter too. So we can let you know at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised MU. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.